Before we begin, I want to thank the sponsor of Oil & Gas Upstream, Oliva Gibbs. Oliva Gibbs provides clear legal solutions to complex oil, gas, and mineral law issues nationwide. We believe that when we focus on serving people, good things happen in the lives of our clients and employees. We just happen to be a law firm. Learn more at oglawyers.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil and Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkut, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for oil and gas upstream research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE, founded a small consultancy, and became a podcast host. Today, I have a really exciting guest, Dr. Fred Amenzada. Fred, thanks for being with us today. Sure, you're welcome. Fred is the president and CEO of Fact Corporation. Fact is a consulting firm that provides technical advice to the oil and gas industry, and general advice to the financial community interested in the oil and gas sector. Uh, Fred is a member of the advisory board for NETL's SMART initiative that's focused on the use of AI for carbon sequestration. He's a leader in the Gerson Lerman Group, which provides consulting services on oil and gas to the financial community. He's a professor and director of AIM Deep at the University of Houston, and Executive Director for the Reservoir Monitoring, Consul- uh, Reservoir Monitoring Consortium at the University of Southern California, where I also went to school. Fred, you did also. And he's also authored a new book entitled Artificial Intelligence and Data Analytics for Energy Exploration and Production. So, Fred, wow, with what a background. We're so honored that you could be with us here today. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Yes, yes. So, um, gosh, where do we begin? I, I guess one of the things that, that would be really interesting to everyone would be, um, you know, how did you get into the oil and gas business? Why oil and gas? <clears throat> well, um, this goes back uh, several decades, so to speak, um, ago. I did my PhD at the University of Southern California, and although I was in the electrical engineering department, but uh, my advisor had a consortium called Geosignal Processing Consortium. And of course, it had uh, a lot of oil company members uh, in the consortium. And as a, as a PhD student, of course, I was involved in various uh, research activities that uh, was uh, appealing to the oil and gas industry. Then I had a, a short uh, internship, uh, summer internship at uh, Exxon Production Research back, back in 1977. And when I graduated from, got my PhD, I went to Bell Laboratories for three years, but then I came back to the oil and, oil and gas industry and joined the Unical. And after some technical work, um, I became eventually manager of geophysical technology. So basically, that's uh, how I ended up in the oil and gas industry. Uh, Of course, after I left Unical, I also worked uh, about 10 years for a 
small uh, computer service company within oil and gas called um, DGB USA, which has OpenDTX software. And after that, of course, I had, as you said, I worked for uh, petroleum engineering department at the University of Southern California and started um, the consortium there on uh, reservoir monitoring. And then I went to University of Houston and starting a consortium called AI for um, deep, uh, I mean, energy industry. Basically, it was referred as AIM Deep, which people can go to the up website and visit it even now. AIM-deep.uh.edu. So that's a brief uh, overview. And of course, after... I left uh, University of Houston, and I, I, even uh, before that, I started my own uh, computer uh, services as, and as well as consulting company called FACT. And uh, I've been uh, working with the SMART initiative um, over the last three years, uh, mostly on carbon sequestration. And I'm, I've been enjoying every minute of it. Oh, my gosh. Wow, 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 wow. What wonderful contributions on many levels over such a uh, wonderful course, career course, and, um, and making wonderful contributions. So, so uh, help us with the AI. It's all in the news right now, and a lot of people are you know, anxious about it, perhaps, but, but it has a lot of applications. Maybe you could uh, give us, and you did start the um, AIM Deep. So give us a, a sense of the way that AI has entered into the oil and gas sector, perhaps. What is the current state of the art of um, AI in the <coughs> oil and gas sector? Well, like uh, in other application areas uh, for AI, energy exploration, development, and production has been one of the beneficiaries of this um, Tech whole AI technology, and it has benefited from this in various stages. Of course, uh, the word AI is becoming more popular these days, but uh, the application of um, AI and related topics goes back at least 20, 30 years ago. Oh my gosh! My, my first book uh, on the subject uh, was um, about 30 some. 40 years ago, uh, called Pattern Recognition and Image Processing. So basically, the idea was to see how we can identify oil and gas reservoirs by looking at the seismic patterns and other data, like uh, well log data and other things. So that was really the goes back that long ago. And then, of course, later on, people are starting things like neural networks and fuzzy logic and genetic right. algorithms. Right. And of course, now we are getting into more uh, sophisticated areas such as um, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning for various aspects of oil and gas business. So the fundamentals of pattern recognition are what is at the heart of AI's growth? Well, one of the aspects of it, especially when applied to um, geophysical data, but uh, right now, as I said, uh, we have been using uh, different uh, algorithms and ideas such as 
based on uh, different types of neural networks. And um, more recently, we have been trying to combine artificial intelligence with human intelligence. And that is really, in my mind, will be the wave of the future. Because there are a lot of things that machines can do much better than human. But still, there are many other things that the human can do much better. Specifically, the quantitative type things like calculation and number crunching, things like that, is really primarily uh, the domain of computers. And of course, uh, more um, uh, non-computational things, sort of um, conceptual ideas and uh, things that are not, uh, we cannot put a number on it, uh, is uh, still domain of human being. And of, of course, artificial intelligence, by definition, tries to mimic the human being brain through, uh, basically, computer networks. And, um, and I think, uh, as I said, uh, right now, for example, the more futuristic type things that are going on is uh, uh, implanting, say, a little chip in your brain so that uh, combines uh, human brain with the, uh, the chip that uh, has more power, computational power. So these are, these are some, uh, although futuristic things, but many of these things actually have been already uh, imp implemented in many uh, areas. So, including the chip in a brain? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Elon Musk has a, a company that does that. Oh, my gosh. Maybe lots of people know that, but I sure did not know that. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, excellent. Well, so where are we with respect to oil and gas, applications in oil and gas, and kind of the near future? Um, right. Uh, I think uh, right now... Uh, we basically, every step of EDP, exploration, development, and production, can benefit from application of machine learning and data analytics tools. I'm throwing another word, data analytics, which uh, is also goes hand in hand in hand with AI, and that is how to deal with large amounts of data, both as far as data mining as, and um, being able to collect the right data for the right application. And for, for example, in seismic data acquisition, there is something called uh, compressive sensing. So you only collect the data that eventually you think most likely you're going to be using it rather than in the old days, we collect uh, several terabytes of data and perhaps a small fraction of it is actually used. So that cuts cost and also cuts the cost of analysis, uh, processing, and storage as, and transmission. So, so going back to your question, <coughs> basically in the area of exploration, we do a lot of, as I said, data mining and risk assessment when we try to decide a particular exploratory well. We do some risk assessment and we do prospect ranking and reserve evaluation and exploratory drilling. All of these things uh, really benefits from uh, AI. Uh, and of course, um, uh, the other uh, aspect of um, application of AI is development stage. 
including well path design, optimum mud weight uh, uh, decision for drilling, geo steering, reservoir pressures and monitoring, and uh, kick monitoring, drilling kick that is, MWD, LWD, and SWD seismic while drilling, and of course, um, completion. So that's an uh, areas uh, in development that can use AI and data analytic tools. And fina finally, in production area, uh, different types of reservoir characterization, especially dynamic reservoir characterization, so that when you're monitoring or producing a field in real time, you can see how things are changing with time, how, how the reservoir is changing with time. Production optimization, reservoir surveillance, and of course, optimizing uh, enhanced oil recovery in a later stage of the uh, life of the field. Monitoring injection, monitoring the injection of say CO2 or other um, uh, sort of things like heat, steam or water to the reservoir. Hydraulic fracturing and of course, economic forecasting. So all of these things has been beneficiary of uh, AI application, and I think it is growing. And I, I really think that we have only scratched the surface at this time, and we will see much more a manifestation of use of AI in the energy industry. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess, you know, all of these applications are familiar to subject matter experts. Um, I guess it never occurred to me to call it AI. Um, when does it come become AI? Well, of course, AI, first of all, many people use the word AI, uh, not necessarily accurately. So uh, AI, just a very simple way to saying it, data analytic is, if you call it data analytic is universe, AI I consider a subset of it, and machine learning is a subset of AI, and uh, and deep learning is a yet another subset of that. So these are, unfortunately, we won't have time to go into the differences. Uh, but uh, uh, let me just give you one example of use of AI in drilling, which okay, I personally great, yeah. have, have, have been involved uh, uh, in it in both uh, 40 years apart. So about uh, 35, 40 years ago, we implemented uh, my patented technology to find the best drilling trajectory. And when I was at Unical, now it's part of Chevron. We called it, it uh, oscillatory uh, drilling using uh, seismic. So many people have heard of MWD and LWD, but not too many people uh, uh, really are familiar with size SWD which I call a seismic drilling. Uh, I mean, seismic wild drilling. Um, of course, that was one of the, this whole work was one of the early advances in horizontal drilling and later on, uh, it is called uh, geosteering. Geosteering combines geophysics and steering of the well and drilling. So that's a combination called geosteering. So that was done uh, three, 30 some uh, years ago, and it has been built on it uh, by different people um, since then. More recently, I worked with National Energy Technology Laboratory, or METAL, uh, 
specifically Dr. Kelly Rose and the team that she leads. And we developed an AI-based technology to predict drilling kick that can be instrumental in avoiding potential drilling hazard. This led to a U.S. patent that my company FACT and Nettel holds jointly. So I, I think that that's just one example. There are many, no, many that's other a, that's a, actual exa examples, but it hasn't just started less three, four, five years ago. It has been evolution of different types of um, AI type technologies that have been uh, employed in the oil and gas business for a long time. And now people are starting to really appreciate and talk more about it. Right, right. Yeah, no, I worked for Ke with Kelly, Dr. Kelly Rose for a, a very long time, a brilliant scientist, and absolutely all of this work associated with uh, drilling, with kicks, uh, is, is a right. real exciting arena because it's, you know, has such uh, potential for going south on you. So Yeah, in that so, case, of course, uh, preventing major potential hazards, uh, right. like well blowing off if you don't have proper mud weight. Right, and one of the one of the um, notions is uh, real time control of the subsurface. That is being able to address not just in the oil and gas sector, but perhaps geothermal. Um, oh yeah, that's and of course. Uh, uh, yeah, you actually brought up a very important issue. Uh, I think uh, we don't, we cannot control the subsurface, but we can control how we are uh, sort of manipulating the subsurface through injection or through other means. Uh, so real-time um, monitoring uh, of what is happening in the subsurface is extremely important. As an example, when you are doing geothermal development, by the way, I actually did apply some AI technology on the California geyser field about uh, huh? 10 years ago when I was at USC. Right. And we used uh, some aspects of AI, specifically neural network, to characterize uh, the fractures uh, within the uh, reservoir. And then, of course, uh, later on, that type of work uh, has evolved into being able to understand and see how things are evolving in, inside uh, the geothermal reservoir. And as a matter of fact, we can see how new fractures are being created and how these so-called cluster centers of cl uh, uh, the uh, uh, cluster centers of fractures are moving, which shows correlates with how the actual uh, hot water is moving within the geothermal reservoir. So that's one example. The other example is uh, the more recent work that we have been doing with um, uh, DOE's SMART initiative, uh, which is primarily tries to see how uh, we can uh, use AI uh, or uh, the whole acronym of SMART stands for subsurface monitoring, but uh, we, we try to see how we can use a, a SMART initiative to uh, monitor and more optimize the injection of CO2 into the carbon site and make sure that there are no potential hazards or uh, something is not going wrong. So that's the next 
extremely important project that uh, was started by the DOE and continues uh, right now. And we are ready to do some field tests in a couple of uh, uh, fields, uh, uh, Illinois Basin and Wyoming specifically. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, wow, what an expert you are. So, so no wonder you wrote a book to be able to share all this with them, with those of us who are not experts. Um, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your book? Why did you write it and who did you write it for? And, and uh, Yeah, this uh, book that, uh, uh, first of all, I'm go going to talk about most, my most recent book, but I have written uh, no less than 10 books uh, on the whole subject. Uh, uh, but the most recent book, which is called uh, uh, AI, Artificial Intelligence and Data Analytics for Energy Exploration uh, and Production. And of course, AI is an evolving technology and its application in EDP also, also is evolving. So to keep up with the advances made in the area, I started to update my earlier book that published about 10 years ago. But then I saw that the work was so immense that I just decided to write a new book. Um, the, my earlier book emphasized uh, more on uh, application of AI in exploration, uh, specifically geophysical applications of, uh, uh, in, of AI. The current book expanded the application area to all aspects of the oil and gas, including drilling, field development, and completion and production optimization and enhanced oil recovery. So uh, it also includes uh, many data analytic and so-called big data issues uh, to uh, basically address various uh, more recent issues. In the writing this new book, I also benefited from collaboration with two co-authors of the book, Dr. Cheng Temizel from Saudi Aramco and Dr. Yasin Hajizadeh from Amazon's uh, AWS. Uh, both of those guys are petroleum engineers. That complements nicely my background, primarily in geophysics. So that's why this book is uh, much broader, uh, has broader appeal, and uh, really crosses the bo discipline boundaries very nicely to see how AI can help uh, doing that. Now, you asked well, who is the intended audience. Uh, Basically, both those who are new to the AI and data analytics can benefit from this book because it includes half of the book uh, covers fundamentals, very fundamentals uh, of AI and data analytics. The second half of the book uh, focuses on various applications of a AI and the areas that we discussed earlier from uh, exploration, development, and production. So this book uh, can also be used and has already been used uh, as a textbook, and also it can be used by working professionals. So it is um, quite versatile as far as the scope of, the, uh, scope of um, applications and fundamentals are concerned. Now you also had uh, questions uh, why an SME, public matter uh, expert, 
why that type of person should read this book or can benefit from this book. Right, right. So uh, I can elaborate on that if you want. Yes, uh, please, yes. So basically SME can benefit from the application section of the book, uh, even if they are expert on the AI, not only uh, uh, in their own area of expertise, usually most all, all companies, people have their own expertise and dabble into AI. In some rare cases, they are already AI experts, but in many cases, like myself, a geophysicist is turned into AI person or data science person. So, so those people usually have their own area of expertise and how AI can be used in their area of expertise. But in this book, since it's quite multidisciplinary, uh, they can see the value of AI and data knowledge integration from widely diverse sources. And of course, the, more importantly, the book, as you mentioned, can be used beyond the fossil energy and uh, addresses formidable challenges in connection with energy, water, minerals, and other natural resources. So when uh, we are faced with solving energy transition problems, that is uh, again another buzzword being used a lot, but it is a, a true fact that if you're going to move from, uh, say, fossil energy to geothermal or wind or other uh, type of energy sources, or we want to uh, look at the carbon sequestration, then uh, we are, can use... Um, um, various aspects of AI to accomplish that. One of them is, uh, since many of this type of work requires different types of data with different levels of uncertainty, scale, resolution, and environment, and I call it uh, uh, basically the sure challenge, uh, scale, un uncertain resolution, and environment, so AI is ideal tool to address these issues that uh, conventional methods are not as uh, versatile in, uh, in being able to handle these type of uh, diverse types of data. In addition uh, to the complexity posed by natural uh, systems, there has been massive proliferation of subsurface data from increasingly sophisticated tools. So, in other words, we are getting data uh, almost uh, uh, constantly in real-time measurements, and also from different types of measurements like uh, control source electromagnetic, seismic, microseismic, and um, you name it, uh, production data. So all these data uh, need to be combined and collected uh, simultaneously. And if you can do this, you as asked earlier the question of real-time monitoring. Mm -hmm. So combining these data sets and integrating them is a big challenge, especially if you want to do it in real time. So that's where AI really shines and it can uh, really uh, do uh, uh, very time-consuming uh, type works uh, in a more interactive fashion. 
So that's uh, really a thing uh, that we are, uh, have to keep in mind. One other powerful tool that is important in so-called energy transition is something I refer to as transfer learning. So for example, in the oil and gas industry, disproportionately people have spent a lot of money compared to geothermal, for example, uh, on doing research because of course, oil and gas had a little bit more better margins than geothermal historically, it still does. So the use of transfer learning can make transfer of many of the, say, oil and gas technologies much more cost-effective to move it into areas that have lower margins, such as geothermal, such as carbon uh, storage. So I think that is another area that uh, we can, with some minor uh, tweaking, we can apply some of these uh, technologies that have a lot of money has been spent to develop into other uh, areas that uh, are relatively uh, uh, virgin as far as some of these technologies are concerned. And to, by, by the way, you can do the same thing the other way around. I mean, if you want to, say, bring some technologies from um, mining industry, for example, um, Geostatistics was primarily developed in the original gold mines in South Africa. Oh. <laughs> so, of course, we had, there are a lot of things that uh, can be transferred from that te technologies used in mining or even geothermal to the oil and gas. So it is not just a one-way uh, street. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, Fred, I could talk with you forever. Um, you know, we're almost at the end of our time. Is there something else you would like to share? I think we need to get you back here and talk more about this topic. It's just fascinating. Like you said, we just scratched the surface of the application in oil and gas sector and in energy sector, and I think we just scratched the surface of what we could learn and understand very simply here the way you put it. You're obviously a, a very effective uh, professor because we, uh, I think we understand um, exactly what you're sharing here. But is there some a few things you'd like to add before we close out? Yeah, um I think um, uh, one thing I want to emphasize that uh, for our energy transition, uh, there are a couple of things that we are going to need. Uh, one is uh, we, I want to, uh, for those of the audience that haven't heard the word big data, I want to uh, mention that because um, data uh, is literally exploding as far as the size, but when we talk about big data, it's not just the volume, but also uh, we call it 3V, volume, velocity, the speed by which data is coming to towards us or collected, and the veracity, basically uh, different type of uh, uncertainty associated with different types of data. So this big data is going to be a big issue. And uh, again, uh, data analytic tools are being developed to address um, these type of issues. And uh, I think um, the other thing, of course, uh, as uh, the Chinese expression says, um, the, a picture is worth a thousand words. We need also to have good visualization capability so that, um, especially for real-time monitoring, so that we can actually visually see what's happening in the field. 
So you probably seen a lot of things we call it, we used to call it cave, three-division center so that you can go inside this visualization center as if that you are inside the reservoir right, and right. start manipulating the data within this cave. And of course, AI has a role to play in that area as well. Right, right. Oh, yes, fascinating. And I took so much of this for granted, actually, to be, to be honest. Well, Dr. Fred Amenzada, author of Artificial Intelligence and Data Analytics for Energy Exploration and Production. Thank you so much for being with us here today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you like and what you'd like to hear about more about on future podcasts. This is Elena Melkut, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.